We have to drop the expectation that others will fulfill our needs and begin to fulfill them ourselves. Interesting. And I think that for me is another big... That's a big line. Isn't that crazy? I like that one. diving in today, we wanted to alert you to the new platform where you can find Colombian Influence. PodMN is a new app where you can find all Minnesota-based podcasts like ours. Unlike any podcast platform I've personally used, you can earn rewards just by listening. Adoptees like us find so much value in calling someplace home, and we're proud that we have that here in Minnesota with our local community. Thanks again for listening, and please be sure to share with friends and family so we can reach more people and make adoption a common, comfortable conversation. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Colombian Influence. We're back! Woohoo! And we are doing this finally back together. Seriously. And it's just an episode with just the two of us. So yeah, we haven't been done that. a while. Yeah. I don't actually know. I'm just like, I should look back. But I'm like, I don't remember the last one that was just us. But no, we've, we've done covered, quite a few interviews. Yeah, we've done a lot of interviews, uh, covered a lot of ground as far as like other people's stories and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I hope uh, everybody's been enjoying that. But today we're going to kind of cover a different topic that, um, at least to me, is fairly important and just kind of... Something that I didn't even know about until a few years ago. Um, Erica, when did you say that you... It was just like when I talked about it that yeah, you Yeah, maybe even a couple months ago when it, I even heard about it. Mm-hmm. But digging deeper into it, I realized that I've had had that mm-hmm. happen or, you know, kind of that stage of adoption, but I didn't know that's what it was called. I didn't know that's what I was going through. Right. So, so basically with what we're covering today... Uh, the terminology is coming out of the fog. So... Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> like the beginning of a scary yeah. movie. Um, but it's something that I think a lot of adoptees, like you said, you didn't realize you were going through it until we talked about it or you realized you hadn't. Um, or you didn't realize like when it was happening mm-hmm. until you knew there was a name. That's, I think, the thing with a lot of adoptees is like we don't realize as... Common, obviously, as common as adoption is, and how many there are, again, the whole thing, the whole reason we're doing this is because there's not a real conversation. So with something like this, we just don't know that it exists because nobody told us. I'm, you know, 28 now. I didn't know it was a thing until I was 27. You know, it's, I think a lot of people go a long time without realizing something that they've gone through is normal. That's huge. Normal. Has a name. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and the more we are starting to be with adoption groups on Facebook or just mingling with more people, it's just continually being eye-opening of how everyone has gone through that. Yeah. Yeah, Or is going through it. Yeah, exactly. Or or will go through it. Right. Uh, So we'll just kind of dive into some of our questions about it, I guess, just to kind of start off defining the term. What is coming out of the fog? Uh, basically with what I've kind of learned about it is coming out of the fog is this kind of coming of age thing with adoptees where they are finding their identity. I shouldn't say coming of age because it's not necessarily like at that time that people say it's coming of age where it's becoming an adult, um, 
or really anything like that. I think a lot of people can have it at different times. I think a lot of adoptees, it happens later in life versus when you become an adult and are trying to find your passions in life and stuff. Everything can contribute to it, whether it's family, friends, career, any sort of type of growth that you grow that you go through, I think can contribute to that. Absolutely. So um, that's kind of where that starts. Again, coming out of the fog is the official term. I learned about it just from an article I'd read probably back in the fall. Again, right when Erica and I were starting this. And I realized I was like, I'm missing resources. And this was one thing I learned. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is mind blowing. Uh, so again, that's kind of the terminology of it coming out of the fog. Um, another question I had was just talking about like, why is this so unique to adoptees? Do you, given that we've had different like feelings on, or like circumstances around it, what do you think about that? I think, well, this is going to bring up another one of my questions too, is we both knew, or many people know, not always, but that you're adopted. That's always just something in your life. Mm -hmm. But having if that... If your parents do it the right way yeah. and you know it growing up, yeah. I couldn't imagine it the other way. We've talked about that before and, and it's ha it happens. It happens a lot more than people probably yeah. think. But is it more... Because you haven't been exposed to it, like the culture, being around a bunch of different adoptee people when you're young, does that mm -hmm. have a kind of um, a hardship when you're growing up? Because starting to try to figure out like, oh, this is normal. Because mm -hmm. I went to camps. I went to mm -hmm. a bunch of things that I was around people like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And you weren't. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that hindered how you started this, like you had to wait till you got yeah. into our podcast, into like mm -hmm. really digging deep and figuring it out. But for me, I think I kind of came, started to come out of the fog early. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I ever had identity issues, things like that. I think it was really early on where it was just like, this is it. I'm proud of it. I have I mean, I have those questions, of course. But you ha I, you probably had a little bit more of a background, like a solid background mm -hmm. to kind of give you some sort of foundation. Yeah. And then to work on, like work from it. Yeah. Like in those camps, they really taught you too. There's like a life class that taught, what can you say when people talk about your adoption? What can you do oh. to like not make you feel... Which I'm like, I still want to know those, yeah, like, you know? Yeah, not normal. Yeah. Like, you, you kind of feel like not normal, but you are normal. Like, all of those feelings and emotions, everyone goes through. Yours just might be a little bit more intense, a little bit more deeper that you have to, like, dig deeper to find yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think also when I was talking to Adrian, I think I came out of it early, but it was huge right before I met my birth mom like 16, oh my God, 16 17 yeah when I knew like I just need to know the answers I just need to know like who I am and then meeting her it it ended that a little bit like I think I came out of the fog but at the same time like I'll never know who my birth dad is mm -hmm. she doesn't know who he is she mm -hmm. doesn't know his name anything about him so I don't have that side of the family and I, she doesn't know her side so a lot of those medical or even just Who's, who's my grandparents? You know, like, she doesn't know. She doesn't have contact with any of those. So wow. that part, I think, was still unknown. But I was able to, probably a year after, I'd say by, by like, 20, I just came to, like, terms with it, like, I'll never know. 
but and I know but I know what I know. You know what do you know? Yeah. And so that's as good as it'll get. And so I kind of finally came to terms with it at that point. I think out of the fog, but what I was telling you, Risa, I don't know if you're ever out of it, mm-hmm. like fully. Like it's always gonna be in the back There's of my mind. There's always gonna be a haze to it. I was reading something and it was just talking about this other person's story of coming out of the fog and she just mentioned like consistently talking about adoption or thinking about adoption can be overwhelming in itself and it's almost too much to handle where you really push all those emotions aside and you know once they come to the surface it's it's tough to really break it down and think about it or suppress it again yeah it's just kind of like it's there it's here for good so i think that's where like parts of the fog will always be with you when you really dig deep in it or have a situation or a memory come up where it's like oh you know that's something i won't know or haven't experienced but you know then you maybe wrap your head around like all of the positive about it it's just Mm. really self-growth is huge but that takes time yeah. Like, I think I was lucky to have it early, but there's no right or wrong time. Like, you being older mm-hmm. and coming out of it now, like, you have gone through so much already. Mm-hmm. Like, you're strong enough now where you're not, and you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Going through it alone, I think, is harder, and that's where I maybe didn't realize that's what I was going through. Well, that, and again, like, I didn't even know the term yeah. for it until, yeah. like, a year ago, maybe. So, it's like, it's just not a common conversation and I think it is exactly. like just with how it's so unique to adoptees and each individual adoptee mm-hmm. is I mean that's what I've kind of read on it too is just that people are going through such different things like a lot of people um like our most recent interview uh Eric he's a the photographer in Minneapolis like he kind of did some of that search when he was like an adult like an older mm-hmm. adult like um right when he was discovering some things you know his parents passed away and I think granted that I think is more unique to his circumstance but a lot of people the big step in coming out of the fog is finding or seeking out birth parents Mm -hmm. however it's not everyone's thing and I know a lot of adoptees wait until they're more Mm middle-aged and a lot of them wait for their adoptive parents to no longer be around. Yeah. That's a huge thing because, um, Erica and I have been reading the primal wound. Uh, sounds really dark and sad, but it's actually the most validating material we've found ever Mm -hmm. about adoption. Like, I don't sit there and read it and cry. I sit there and I'm like, well, dang! And (laughs) underlining... Writing exclamation points, being like, oh my god, this is, this is the feeling, and it's yes. in text, and it's in a book. I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so validating, and it's just saying a bunch of things about, like, how people's feelings as adoptees are so different because mm-hmm. of the things that we've gone through. Like, one thing that I really resonated with was the fact that they were talking about how certain mental health issues, mm-hmm. like, some people think oh, they're manic depressive or they're, um, they're bipolar or something. It's like, there's actually a different thing with adoptees where they have the weird, like kind of manic episodes. They're not quite as serious. So it's not like you'd be diagnosed as bipolar. It would be something more like you just have these moments of like spurts of energy and everything where it's feeling more spontaneous or feeling, you know, X, Y, and Z. So it's, I, I, you know, I'm kind of just 
going on a tangent here, but it's basically just, again, with the book, it's a lot more just, it's very validating with everything like that. And with it just, with coming out of the fog being so unique to adoptees, it's a unique phenomenon with adoptees, but also with each individual person. There's going to be something that triggers it. There's going to be, some people probably never even do it because there's nothing that's happening or, I don't even know. It's... We're not really obviously able to pinpoint anything with that particular question because it's so general mm-hmm. and everyone goes through something so different. And with you, like yours is strong right now. Starting mm-hmm. this podcast really opened up, I think, a lot of wounds that you tried to bandage mm-hmm. and a lot of things like for even both of us that we didn't even realize was linked to adoption. Mm-hmm. But going out of the fog now for you, like, what was your turning point? Was it when you changed your name back a while ago? Was that a, a start? I would say, I mean, because also that's something I did really want to address in this episode was just like the fact that um, a lot of my, like people from high school and before and from Northfield, they know me as Teresa. That mm-hmm. was my given name at adoption. And I didn't ever have it. I don't have an issue with that name. I don't want to go by my birth name because it's, Nobody in, in Minnesota is going to get that. It yeah. is too long. It's too complicated. It's not a real name here. So it's like, absolutely not. I would never <laughs> go by that. But I think in high school, that was like one tiny little sliver of stuff that I got to do for myself. Mm-hmm. So going by Risa and having like that as something that I choose to do now. And this is not at all to say that everyone should call me that because I don't want people to who knew me as Teresa growing up to have to know, and I'm not doing it for the convenience of other people. I want people to know me as who they know me as. Mm -hmm. Some of my closest, like my best friend, she calls me Teresa. She calls me Risa. Well, we call each other a lot of different things, but it's like we call each, you know, she calls me by both. She introduces me as Risa, but she's like, I get to call her Teresa. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you call her Risa, you're meeting her now, but it's like she and I've known each other since, for like 18 years and she's my best friend and it's mm-hmm. like it, it never bothers me I would prefer like with my family it's like duh you're calling me Teresa that's what who I am do yeah. you and it doesn't bother me but it's like now I'm as an adult getting to be like this is how I identify mm-hmm. and I think it's just as important as people identifying with certain genders and such and you know being mislabeled and everything it's just kind of like this is who I've chosen to be. I think it just fits me better now. Mm-hmm. At least with who I've grown up to be. It didn't fit me the best when I was younger, but then it was like, oh, I can have a nickname and I get to decide that this is what I go by. Yeah. I think that was kind of the first tiny little snippet when I was maybe 15, 16, something mm-hmm. like that. I'm not, I don't actually really remember, but in college is when I started going by Risa. Um, and I think for the longest time, it was just that. Yeah. It was more so... I think really, like you said, like with the podcast, like I think it's been a really big growing experience for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think probably for the last six to nine months, there's just been a lot of like education on my end where I've, I just feel more informed. Mm-hmm. Partially because we're able to be that. Yeah. So it's really just been like a lot, like almost a year of a lot of growth and education. And I think I just unknowingly until now I'm 28 and I'm realizing being informed about something is what Mm -hmm. I prefer to be. I don't, I don't like an unknown. Yeah. I really don't. 
And there have, there have just been so many little things here and there that have been so eye-opening. Like just with the articles I was reading back in the fall that were just so eye-opening, made me really emotional, that made me come to you and be like, we need to do something. Mm-hmm. And also just because like my, my way of living is the fact that I like to help other people mm-hmm. and be a source for other people. So yeah. a lot of coming out of the fog is being like, how can I do this thing that I love doing and help myself? That's never been something I've done. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would even be, you know? So like in this case, it's just been kind of like taking the bull by the horns, being like, this is going to be helpful for other people and myself. Yeah. Just kind of going along with it. Do you regret not like being, well, you went to picnics and stuff when you were young. But that like was kind two, of, I guess. that was kind of it. Do you regret not having much of the, culture or different experiences or being around more adoptees as a when you're young you don't have too much control but even as a teenager um you know with stuff like that like you said I don't have much control there weren't really options like where I lived in Northfield like that I mean there wasn't much culture Mm -hmm. you know besides like oh we're Norwegian we make lapsa you know Mm -hmm. that's the most culture Northfield has besides being a college town it's like everyone's Scandinavian and they're damn proud of it. Yeah. So it's like, that is as much as we had. I don't think, I know I never asked for it. Yeah. And I'm sure with my parents, like, I'm sure they, there wasn't many resources. They didn't think like, oh, we should immerse her in this. Mm-hmm. It just was like, it wasn't really a thing. I think now that's something that I want to do now, but it's also something I get to do on my terms yep. where I get to be like, I want to do this with other Colombians. And mm-hmm. like, cause I've found a few in the twin cities that I'm like, yeah. once this coronavirus is like quote unquote over, it's not really ever going to be over, but it's like, you know, something can pass and then we can be together and just, you know, yeah. be different versions of this culture that have grown up in different ways, but also have the culture of being adopted Because that's a whole other culture, Mm -hmm. too. So I think, like, in that regard, it's kind of like, yeah, that would have been helpful. But knowing what I know now about myself as an adult and just being able to be someone who likes to explore things Mm -hmm. and have adventures, it's like, I like that I get to do this under my control now. That's a great perspective. Yeah. yeah, it's And I mean, again, you can't change what you don't really know anyway. So it's like... Do you feel like being in a small town made you kind of hide it more in a sense like you're proud in the inside but was it ever really like spoken I would say what's so weird for me is that I I'm cautious to use the term white passing because I am like we've talked about on forms we can check the box white Caucasian but we also check the box Latino Hispanic you know things like that so yes I am physically looking white but I am you know like you and I are both mm-hmm. experiencing now it's like well we're when we're in the right climate we look more Colombian mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it's like with stuff like that um I wouldn't say that it was like it wasn't hidden it was more so the fact that there wasn't one obvious trait sticking out to be like oh she's not like from the sheer lar bloodline you know, it's like I I fit into my family a lot easier. And people still used to say my sister and I looked alike. And I'm like, yeah, you blend. Because we're both white and we have brown hair. Mm-hmm. Like, 
that's as close it is as it is, which I'm sure it was kind of similar for you, where it was kind of like, well, you don't look so unlike them, yeah. so you didn't stick out, so there wasn't a reason why people were like, oh, exactly. why are you a different color from your family? Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't one thing that stuck me out. It was more so when people would say, like, well, are you from here? Which is always such a loaded question. It's, sure. it's, did you grow up in Minnesota? I'm like, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's But it's like, are you from here originally? I'm like, that's a loaded question. I'm going to answer this because it's it's accurate. I'm not. like. Yeah. So it's like it was more so things like that growing up, whereas there were other adoptees um, that did look different. So mm-hmm. people were like, oh, he's so-and-so or she's so-and-so. It's like... Stuck out a little bit more. Stuck out a little bit more. So it wasn't purposefully hidden ever. It was more so just kind of like blending enough. Yeah. You know? I think that's interesting, though. We were talking about checking boxes on different forms. I've never checked white. Ever? But But they always separate them, though. They ask for race, and then they ask for, like, ethnicity. No. Really? I, I think I'd always do... I, no, I've never checked... But what checked, other option I would you put? white. Other? See, I guess sometimes I do that. It depends on think, what the boxes are. Yeah, I think they're all different, but I don't think I've ever checked white. Really? Really. Either Latino, Hispanic... Or I'll do other and just put Colombian. Well, see, if they only have certain options mm-hmm. where it's either Caucasian or Latino, mm-hmm. obviously I put Latino. Sure. Right? But if it's one of those where it's like, what's your race? What's your ethnicity? Yeah. That's when it's different where I'm like, well, I am white. Like, I think of it especially now, I'm just kind of like, I benefit like a white person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do also put on like applications. Like, yes, I'm Latina. It's like... It's just, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. For another day, that one is a lengthy one. But either way, like, that's just, yeah, something that I feel like is normal for us. Back to the book. Did you have something you wanted to Sure. Yeah, so with there? the Primal Wound, I was just kind of skipped ahead this week. I've still been kind of making my way through it. Um, but I went through the chapter Empowering Ourselves, mm. uh, which, again, like I said, I skipped a bunch, which was just kind of not applicable to what we were talking about. So I was like, you know, Empowering Yourself, that's a lot of with coming out of the fog. Well, one thing I kind of unrelated just the beginning of the chapter um, that people talk a lot about, there are some adoptees that I know have an issue with the quote-unquote business of adoption a lot of them see it as like a business where people are just profiting off like children who don't have homes i yeah um you could have a reaction go for it like i don't even know the reaction like i mean i've heard oh you've been bought things like that but But no there are people that are like who are adoptees like in the group that are like just straight up like the kids should never be taken from their parents like okay it's not that e- it's not black and white it no. really isn't it's like well no no shit like of course they shouldn't but yeah it's so much deeper than that but it's also like the mm, you can't change someone's mind like i'm just kind of like i don't understand so one way this chapter starts off just by saying the problem is not adoption uh this is assuming of course that adoption is seen as an institution which seeks parents for babies who have to be separated from their first mothers and not as an institution which seeks babies for childless couples. Mm. I think that's a really big empowering thing that's just kind of like, no, I wasn't, you know, tossed around as options for these parents. Yeah. It was like, who best fits you for your parents? Mm. So it's like, that's a really just eye-opening thing 
obviously the book talks a lot about abandonment and everything and issues like that and just being helpless to oneself. I don't know, just very relevant for everybody. Um, and then just kind of talking about like t- making the decision to kind of empower yourself and coming mm-hmm. out of the fog. It's they have to want to take responsibility for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I think a lot of people just in general have issues with. I think my maturity and stuff with stuff like that is not, is, hasn't been an issue. I've always taken responsibility for my actions, mm-hmm. good or bad. So it's like with something like this, it's like that didn't take a lot to, you know, have to figure out. But a, in the section of challenging long-held beliefs, if you're angry at your birth mothers for abandoning you, why do you keep abandoning yourself? Hmm. Interesting. And that, I think, is just so, like, why are you not letting yourself grow? Mm-hmm. Why are you not letting yourself be who you deserve to be, who you want to be, who... Yeah. You know, in any of those ways, it's like, why would you, if you're so mad about this, which, I mean... I don't think I have a lot of residual anger necessarily, but it's more so just like allow yourself to do this for yourself. Yeah. I was about to ask you that. Like, have you ever been mad at your birth mom? I don't think that was really ever a... That wasn't for me either. I don't think it was ever really a feeling. And I think maybe, again, how it's brought up. Every I, It's crazy how who you are and kind of how you've been raised and things like that. It's so impactful mm-hmm. but like you know I think we were both raised like you were very loved like this was done mm-hmm. out of love which is also can be a loaded thing too because very that true. is something we've talked about that I read in this book was talking about how for adoptees they hear that so often very true they have so many issues with like romantic relationships especially because to them love equals abandonment mm-hmm. that is something that I read and I was like oh my god and that's not the case. It's not the case, but they've been told that for... Wow. That's the number one yeah. go-to cop-out almost when people sure. are talking about like, oh, well, they loved you so much they left. Mm-hmm. It's like, that sets you up for just kind of a messed up adulthood. Mm-hmm. But the chapter goes into talking about like the triad of just like the birth mother, the parents, the baby, you mm-hmm. know? It's just like all of these things mm-hmm. happened it's done. Mm-hmm. It's like how you ask, like, do I regret not being able to have those cultural immersive mm-hmm. experiences? It's like, well, as this book says, regret is one of those useless occupiers of our time and energy which gain us nothing. Oh, and yeah. it's the same with all of this. It's like, it doesn't need to be an element of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in this case with everything that I've, like, learned so far, it's just kind of like, well, yeah. that's what was happening. Well, on that, yeah. Exactly. Then it kind of goes into talking about, like, allowing your feelings, controlling behavior, and kind of just, like, figuring yourself out. So one thing I know that we've talked about is, like, basically just kind of saying, like, the adoptee often sabotages anything good that's happening to them. That sense of being undeserving overrides the wish to have some satisfaction in life. Mm. And I think that's just, that's huge. Just with the fact that that's what, again, we've kind of internalized. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like, again, take the bull by the horns and just be like, no, this is no longer applicable. Like, I don't want it to be, whether it was true or not. It's having to make sure that that's not taking over. And I think also coming out of the fog is realization that 
the feelings that you did feel or you weren't able to how do I want to put this you know like it's okay that you felt that at one point but coming out of the fog like you realize that isn't the way to be felt does that and that doesn't make sense it's not worth your energy yeah badness is not worth your energy like I'm so all about that. Like, I mm-hmm. cannot stand. And that was us for uh, maybe Probably a like ch- teenage. Yes. You know? I think they're it's because huge. teenagers are supposed to be growing up and coming into themselves and coming of age. I think it's exponentially harder for adoptees mm-hmm. because they're just kind of like, wait, I have nothing to base this off of, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, there's just a lot of just, I don't know, taking what you want from life. And it isn't that easy. I mean, I've been doing therapy a lot ever since my, you know, medical incident back in March. And just because I don't, I no longer really believe in just like, just relying on things like medications. Obviously people need them. Obviously I'm not against them, but there was a lot of unsaid issues that I was ignoring. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm able to like work on them, it's like, oh my God, this is such a relief. And... Another, I don't know, another part of the book that I just wanted to read was saying, kind of acknowledging the loss. And that includes the realization that we're never going to get what we lost or never got. Hmm. But we have to drop the expectation that others will fulfill our needs and begin to fulfill them ourselves. Interesting. And I think that for me is another big. That's a big isn't line. That crazy? I like that one. Yeah. So that one obviously like notated. If you it. don't have this book, go get it now. Yeah, get, you can get it online real cheap. There's a bunch of used copies. This one I found in the back actually has a birth mother support group card. So I'm gonna read that again, just yeah, just to get that do. out there. So acknowledging the loss itself, which includes the realization that we're never going to get what we lost or never got, and we'll have to drop the expectation that others will fulfill our needs and begin to fulfill them ourselves. And I think I've always had that particular mission. It just hasn't had a particular space in my life. Yeah. Because I so, as everyone knows, I'm a stickler when it comes to people like running to relationships, like romantic Mm -hmm. relationships to fulfill themselves because I don't necessarily agree with the fact that you have to love yourself before you love someone else or someone can love you because Mm -hmm. that's, I think, a, kind of a negative, uh, impactful phrase that I don't Mm -hmm. think necessarily is black and white, but I do believe, I just, I just don't believe in like being with someone just to fulfill something because if they're gone, you'll have nothing left. Mm -hmm. That is, I think why I'm such a stickler with stuff Mm -hmm. like that, because I'm like, that's how my life began. So interesting. Cause when I started my relationship, I didn't love myself. Mm -hmm. I was at that time where it was tough Mm -hmm. and I was at a dark place but I grew to love myself mm-hmm. being in a relationship helped and obviously like I, what's that last the last like other people or other um we have to drop the expectation that others will fulfill our needs and begin to fulfill them ourselves mm-hmm. but and I do think like obviously I, I, I don't I didn't know you then yeah but it's like I think in your case also given the timeline with meeting a birth mm-hmm. mom it just happened to coincide with he didn't fulfill all of that Mm -hmm. it was just the fact that I don't know I think for you it was a lot of it was just timing yeah and growth 
And it's so interesting. Timing is huge. Timing is everything. And every, everybody everything. has different timing too. Mm-hmm. But I think that's really important because I used to dwell on, I know that for a fact, like I used to get upset or even when I met my birth mom, upset that I sent her pictures of when I was in soccer or things like that. But you didn't see me graduate. You haven't been to any of my birthdays. Mm-hmm. Like all of those little things that are lost and will never be able to happen. Mm-hmm. I was so mad at it for a while, but eventually you get past it. And I'm just like, well, with my kids, I'll be able to do that. Whole, you know, they won't ever have to have that mm-hmm. void. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I really like that line. I know. That one I was like, whoa. Yeah. Because it's so accurate. Like, mm-hmm. um, one of my other notes was just saying, talking about taking back our power. Mm. And I think a lot of adoptees do feel powerless in every situation where they're like, I don't know, just like with the fact that the places I've been, I feel like I belong. Like mm-hmm. my love for St. Paul, it's like, I love it there. And I'm just like, X, Y, and Z brought me to this place. And I feel like I really like it and I belong there. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with like when traveling to different places, it's just like, eh, this isn't for me. Oh, this is like certain aspects. It's like, mm-hmm. this brought me here. And I think a lot of people if they happen to end up in a state or country mm-hmm. that they don't feel like they belong in, that's a much stronger sense of not loving where you live. It is completely powerless in the fact that that was the biggest monumental, like one of the biggest monumental changes as you were being placed into a family mm-hmm. was, hey, you live here now. Yeah. That's it. You have... No matter it, it, how little we were. It takes away, it kind of takes away the destiny of it where it's like, oh, I'm from here, bleh. In kind of like a backward sense where it's like kind of both. Where it's like, oh, I was meant to be here. This is where I belong. But also it's the aspect of, okay, well, destiny was just kind of interfered with. Stuff like that. So another quote that I really liked was talking about, like I said, taking back our power. And power within makes us feel calm and whole. It allows us to be assertive but not aggressive. And I'm like, Mm. that's another really good point. This is kind of a side note, but I hate change. Like, it's something I hate. I mm-hmm. wonder if it has to do with... Oh, I'm sure. Because I... In, in a sense, abandonment. Like, you know, if I change, will what I is gonna, this? What are you going to lose? I, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the case wow. for a lot of adoptees. It's change I because I change. don't... I don't fight change. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you fight actively fight change. I don't fight it, but it stresses me the hell out. Where I'm just mm-hmm. kind of like... What's going on? I would fight it if I could. Mm-hmm. Anything at work, if something was changing, I'm like, that's not a good reason. Like, don't, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. When it happens, it happens. It works out. It always does, but... But the fear is so internalized is so with us. so interesting. When you read one of those, I was just like, that's probably my reasoning for it. Not just because I don't want something new. Of course you want something new. You want to continue to grow, and that's the only way you can grow, but that's super tough for me. Yeah. And I think that's pretty common with us. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the last thing I'll read from the book um, is just this last paragraph um, in the taking back the power um, section, uh, saying, empowering ourselves is like a double-edged sword. On one side is freedom, freedom from our need for approval and the constant concern about what others think about us. On the other side is the necessity to take responsibility for our feelings and our choices. We no longer have to fear others, but neither can we blame them? 
we must withdraw our projections and own our own feelings, then act responsibly in the ways in which we express them. Again, we see how paradoxical life is and how balanced. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and it's that true. for everybody. I mean, it is. Like they say, it's a double-edged sword. Like, yeah. like I've said, it's like that's what I've been doing the last six to nine-ish months has just been mm-hmm. kind of going through this. And it is a double-edged sword. It's kind of just yeah. kind of like, this is really hard and scary. Uh-huh. But also it's like, this is so uh, freeing. It's... Mm-hmm. It's like literally, it's just like I just sigh thinking about it. Just like, yeah. oh my god, what a relief! Oh, for sure. Like, it's just move, we're moving on. <laughs> like, this mm-hmm. is fine. I'm gonna be fine, you know. And it's like it kind of did start just with the podcast and then like with what I've been doing with um, therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, my therapist and I have talked a lot about my birthday, mm-hmm. and we did my birth chart like with astrology and stuff this year. That's cool. And it was really cool because we went, we were going to do my arrival day too, but we only got to my birthday so mm-hmm. far. And it was so much more validating and solidifying learning about mm-hmm. where I am in the world because of this important date. Mm-hmm. And like one thing I remember her mentioning, and I feel weird saying this because I feel like I'm bragging. I'm not. I'm just really like, it made sense to me. She was basically like the book that we were working on said your basically just to sum it up like your talents seem so easy to you and so natural that you don't understand people's like praise about them or people's Mm -hmm. like misunderstanding of them and I think that's something that I feel with both artistically with like music and stuff Mm -hmm. it's like when we're kind of touching base on nature versus nurture it's like my family is not musical at all like my sister was in choir but I mean she was like a lot of people in school in choir for me it's like that was something that was big for me that people always knew about me it was that like oh where do you get your voice from does your family do music and I'm like no Mm -hmm. that's mine and it's like things like that that I never that were just natural that and just like with the podcast for instance it's like me having the chance to connect with people my passion and I think I guess talent for verbalizing things well or just like things like that Mm -hmm. or just or even honestly even customer service it's like stuff like that comes so naturally to me that I don't understand why that's a big deal or something brag worthy and I'm just kind of like whatever it's just a thing I and it kind of feels like one of those things where it's like I didn't give myself credit for that Mm -hmm. it's like okay yeah you this has been within you, but not everybody does that. And I'm not good at everything, but it's like the good things that I'm good at, it's like I just kind of contributed to just being a trait. Like mm-hmm. the way that I have curly hair or the way that yeah. I, I don't even know, anything like this is just a random trait. I'm right-handed. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 5'2", you know, stuff like that. It was just kind of like this is just an element. Mm-hmm. But then when we talked about that, it was like, so that's not everybody. <laughs> like, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to take credit for that. And the fact that it's, that's mine. Mm-hmm. That's what I can take from it. And I don't want to really take anything else. That's as much as I want to do with it. And that's and That's cool. a huge step. I know. Like. Huge. Yeah. So it's like, stuff like that was just, that's just been part of the, the journey mm-hmm. and everything. And again, like, every adoptee and every adopted story is so different. 
And if you're listening to this in, you know, in your mid-50s, 60s, if you're listening to this in your 10, like, you probably feel some of these feelings, or you might not be there yet, but again, it's okay, because everyone's journey is going to happen on their own time. That's what I think is so cool, is the fact that you can mm-hmm. have this at age 15, you can have this mm-hmm. at age 75, Yeah. you can have this at age 28, like mm-hmm. me. It's like... There's it, no right or wrong. And it has nothing, I don't think... It has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with just your identity. And your identity, as everyone knows, adoptee or not, doesn't come with a specific age. Kind of going again back to the question of why is this so unique to adoptees is because it's everything. Mm -hmm. Not to put pressure, like unnecessary pressure on it, but it is something that you get to decide it. It's not something that happens to Mm -hmm. you. There is a sense of needing to... Like take responsibility for it and letting go letting go acknowledging the loss everything like that mm-hmm. who wants more episodes <laughs> <laughs> no. but like more episodes of just us two talking I think will not only benefit us but mm. others so thank you to a couple people who have reached out already with questions continue to do so I think we're going to continue to try to get episodes on just us communicating continually giving our sides mm-hmm. of what we've gone through there's so many things that we want to touch on that I think through the interviews it's been great because we like to hear other people's sides too but I think this is also a lot about just growth and progression mm-hmm. and as we've been going through the podcast we've also been learning from a lot of other people that has been mm-hmm. the re- a really awesome benefit of these um, interviews mm-hmm now we can kind of take what we've learned each little bit um, with what Erica said about just like asking questions. We did get one this week from our friend Tori. Um, and I think this is a great episode to acknowledge it is the nature versus nurture again, because we haven't touched on this in forever. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of thinking about, well, what are some nature versus nurture things for me? So Erica and I today are trying the Colombian liqueur uh, Aguardiente, I believe. Aguardiente. Um, that was given to us as a donation. So thank you, Brooke, <laughs> for your donation. Which, we take donations. This is an especially fun one. Um, but we were trying this today. And on my drive to Erica's, I was realizing, I was like, what's another nature versus nurture? Well, I like wine. My mom likes wine, though. So maybe not that. And then I was like, oh, wait. My family. They're always referred to as half a beer sheer. And I was like, they're always calling me the tank because I can like (laughs) hold my alcohol so well and I'm fine. And I'm like, well, there's one. (laughs) That's definitely nature. Do you have any nature versus nurture things that you think stick out? I was trying to think of that. I think, and that's where maybe it helped my adoption situation, like, my family, they're a sports family, but I grew up doing sports. Like, it just, it fit. Like, nothing I have or do really stuck out besides Anything my hair. Pers- oh, yep. Yeah. But, like, that's something that always stuck out. Like, oh, my God, I wish I had your hair. Oh, how, it's so curly. Like, oh, you're so lucky. And everyone in my family, pretty straight, you know, yeah. thin, very thin. Minnesota brown color? Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> so, I think that would be the only thing that, like, would stick me out Physically. Physically, but other than that, like, I can't think of anything. I bet if it was, like, 
I just don't know. Because there are certain... I don't know. I mean, I think... And if I dug deep on certain traits or things like that, or even just things we do... Kind of all just fits. It does. I'm sure there would be some... I mean, those are really the only ones that, for me, were, like, obvious, just because that's... Again, the singing thing was always like, oh, were your parents singers? I'm like, no. (laughs) They shouldn't be. (laughs) So it's, like, things like that, and... Again, just the fact that half a beer shares, that just cracks me up because I'm like, yeah, no one can hold their liquor. But yeah, I I think that it's a good topic, but I just don't have personally very many situations or things that... Which is also better for growing up, made it a little easier. For sure. Because for me, there's not a ton. Yeah, and I mean, nobody's going to know that by looking at you like, oh, you can sing so good. They Mm -hmm. can't, or you can hold your liquor. They can't, you know, it's like... (laughs) Maybe they look at you guys like, oh, Mary's on the couch. <laughs> she would be too. <laughs> oh my God. But other than that, it just, and I think that helped our situation, but I know yeah. a lot of adoptees do it have. stick out like a sore t- yeah. thumb. And I'm like, I cannot imagine. And that. if that is you, like, we would love, love to hear your story yeah Yeah. and how you coped with that because I think that would be very a very difficult thing to overcome as well and maybe that's where your fog is a little bit more dense yeah literally just your yeah your fog is just more dense with everything and and your fog can be in different situations like your fog versus my fog very different yeah like we're in different phases granted I'm not out of it either Mm -hmm. and I do there have been a lot of things over the last year um like I always talk about frozen 2 um, being my movie of choice, uh, if you go back and listen to the song, show yourself, like everyone's always like, Hey, I know it's the best. I'm like, wrong, show yourself. But there's uh, the movie. If you haven't seen it, it's all about Elsa finding herself, even though she is part of her family, she's still, there is a cultural difference in her family that they discover in the movie. And she just doesn't quite fit in and she's wondering why. Mm-hmm. And there's this one line that always, always, I just, Oh, I just love in the song, show yourself. I think it's in the second verse. She says, um, you are the one you've been waiting for. Mm. And that to me just wraps all this up because it's so important to know that because it doesn't have to be you finding a birth parent. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing I would just really want to mention is just like, it doesn't have to be one way or another. Yeah. That is, I think a way that people, a lot of like they lean that direction Mm -hmm. to do something. It doesn't have to be. Well, again, that's like going to college right after high school. It's kind of like, this is kind of what should happen. This is like the pattern of everyone else, but it doesn't have to be that. And for you, I don't know if it ever will be. And that's okay. Exactly. It's just like, I find so much importance in, doing it for myself, Mm -hmm. whether that's including other people or not, but it's like, this is the path that I'm taking. Well, that kind of wraps up our episode for today. Um, Again, just kind of with talking about coming out of the fog. I think this is going to be kind of a progressive part two, part three kind of situation. Just like seeing what else we learn, hopefully from other people. Uh, If you even have like, it doesn't have to be an interview. We want to hear just from other people, just even little snippets about like elements of either their journey with coming out of the fog Anything with your adoption. like We can read your stories on here. We don't have to say who you are. Anonymous, yep. You don't even have to tell us who you are. Yeah. You know, honestly. Yeah. You can always email us mm-hmm. at Colombian in, 
Colombian dot influence at, at gmail.com. And then obviously you can send us stuff on social media. Yeah. Too. So continue to follow us. We will start posting more. We both just have been really busy, but mm-hmm. we're going to just get back settling. into it. We're yeah. settling into the new norm, I think, finally. It's kind of crazy. We're already coming up on our one year soon. I mean, it's still <gasps> far out. No, but it is. But it's, oh my God. it's like around the corner. <laughs> so we're just excited for this journey. We're continually getting better at what we do, continually reaching out to more people. So And we're loving every minute. Mm. So be sure to keep sending us what you want from us. Yeah. So... And we love hearing from you guys. So continue to listen in. Share us with your friends. Uh, Again, this is not a common general topic all the time. So we want it to be more mainstream as much as possible. Until next time. Bye. Bye.